I was like in this earthly realm of garden and he was more like in this kind of like cosmic realm of garden. So even though the distance mm-hmm. was like something beyond human comprehension, what mm-hmm. was really clear was it was a, the exact same geogra- geometric disposition mm-hmm. and that from his chest and from his face was like this beaming incomprehensible by human language light from him straight at me welcome beautiful thinkers that was a clip from this interview with nathan falu talking about the vision that he had in the form of a dream on the day of the death of his spiritual guide dudu dia rose so we're going to hear more about that this is the third installment in this interview talking with Nathan about his trip to Senegal or his his love affair with Senegal I guess learning about the sabab percussion and dance tradition and working with Dudu and finding out more about <laughs> well how to how to be properly devoted to a master I suppose so we're going to hear more about the circumstances around the fourth Deggy Dodge concert or festival that Nathan embarked upon with <laughs> with Dudu. So we'll hear more about that in a moment. If you would like some help in your life, making sense of your emotions, a little guidance in meditation, understanding a life situation, I can help you with that. Finding out what you believe about the situations and how we can change it and transform your beliefs into something that's going to help you feel empowered and joyful. So you can head on over to beautifulpodcast.com, use the coupon code BEAUTIFUL2021, and you'll get 50% off your first session. Let's hear from Nathan. Let's begin. I'm here again with Nathan Fallu, and he's going to continue the story, talk about his experience in Senegal, working with uh, master percussionist and conductor Dudu Ndiaye Rose. How are you, Nathan? Great. Thank you, Kurt. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, pretty good. Uh, Convalescing, actually. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm happy to pick up the dialogue, and thank you again for your interest in all this. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm listening back to the story, um, yeah, it's it's fascinating to hear the this this other side of you. Like me, meeting you and, and knowing you, like I've known I've known you more than a year now. But I, I I had you know I had some idea that you you you'd been in Africa and Senegal and knew Wolof and and this is uh, it really adds all these interesting dimensions to find out this this other side of you. Yeah, it's it's real. I still think in Wolof language, and and some hmm. half the time I'd say don't find the words in English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's definitely inside of me, and I miss it very much. Yeah, yeah. So, what was it like in the last year of the uh, Deggy Dodge Festival working with Dudu? 
Well, the last year was the theme was celebrating its 85th birthday. Mm-hmm. And so there was an intention from the end of the previous year to really go big. I mean, and that's funny to say because I always went for a level that everyone told me was impossible each year. <laughs> and we pulled it off against all odds each year. But this final one, it was like kind of next level crazy of me. <laughs> um, and I mean that like concretely in the sense that we had 13 managers yeah. over the course of that year. And that means a manager who's like signing up because they love my vision and they've seen the reputation we've established. And of course, you know, the privilege to just be around Dude and Jai Rose is like you know, something they never fathomed. So, mm-hmm. but then when they got in the mix and they see like exactly like, um, what I want to pull off this year and how he want to celebrate his birthday on the scale. That's when they're like, I respect you. I admire the vision, but I can't pull this off. I can't be the manager for this. It's too much. <laughs> so that what happened. did you say? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes I could perceive them. Um, like, how do I say? Like, um, what would be the right word for it? Um, like undercutting hmm. the vision that okay. I had established with them. Okay. Um, just kind of like um, um, getting a bit lazy about it. Like we'd, we'd be in a meeting, for example, talking to a diplomat or a corporation and I'd let the manager speak and I'd see that, oh, wow, they're really like not like, um, committed. Um, I think maybe brave enough to, to Uh like, to put on the table what we really are aiming for. So that case, when they would bail out, I I would be like, peace, respect, see you at the show. Hmm. And, but others like, and actually it was often like younger managers, Mm-hmm. Who, some of them were also Europeans. Mm-hmm. They were just intimidated by it. But I'm like, no, you have the potential. Like, I trust you if you just like ride with me. Because I would basically throw the manager on the back of my motorcycle and we'd go zipping around to all these um, meetings with different like ministers of culture and diplomats and stuff. Hmm. And I'm just like, I was literally just like, just trust the flow. Come with me to these things. You'll see me do the spiel a few times. And come with me to the cocktails and the networking things. And that would often kind of give them a boost for a while. Hmm. But then what happens is as it gets closer, like it goes from being like a a concept and a PDF to like actually how this is manifesting on the ground. And that's when a whole new dimension comes in. And that's when they would get most kind of intimidated intimidated so they would have like a fair amount of project management skill and you're from europe or whatever and i would see the potential for them to pull this off with me but often they just like got scared <laughs> right so, like yeah. i love want it to happen I'll, I'll be at the show but i i can't be like the pilot sure the co-pilot what was it that gave you so much confidence that that you could pull off something extraordinary um it was precisely 
this feeling that we don't um, always have access to in life, but when we've got it, we know it. And that's a sense of like, you're downloading something straight from the divine. Like, hmm. I, I just have to remain an open vessel and let this flow through me. That's how it was from the beginning with the idea of the festival. That's how it was with um, receiving Dudu's, um, um, I don't want to say teaching because that's like an academic term, but mm. I just knew that I was in a very magical place full of potential with my intimate relationship with him and what I bring artistically and my vision for the festival. And I just really had to just like keep the channel open and let it flow through me. So it was a quite unique kind of hyper confidence, um, which I mean, I love it when you have a manager who's like, like, we're going to do this together. We got this, but I need to tell you realistically this or that about, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, there's, there's insider stuff that goes, that predates my time in Senegal about like the mm. minister of culture being like this or that or whatever. So it's not like I was someone with total blinders with zero ability to compromise. Like I love that team dialogue and being given feedback which, you know, may be a compromise, but serving the greater vision. Um, but in terms of, like, the, the general direction, like, it was very clear and just, like, coming through me. And hmm. I also had four years' experience before that um, kind of doing this, pulling yeah. out the impossible. Yeah. So, um, and I also felt, so, that year I also felt... Above all, I felt on stage, I really, really, really wanted to do some new things. Like I had, I just felt I'd grown a lot over that time in my relationship to Sabar drumming. It was the first year that I was playing Sabar drumming on the stage. Before that, I was just a conductor of everybody, mm -hmm. which, which arguably you could say is like the harder part, like being the maestro of everything. Mm -hmm. But I was like, actually, I don't want to be the white guy controlling a bunch of Africans, of course, there's my international drummers and dancers. I also want to show myself as learning the instrument with my own hands, you know? Hmm. So there, I decided to have pieces in the, in the festival that year, which I didn't conduct. Um, hmm. And I was sabar drumming. So that was a first. And that yeah. was also the first year where I wanted to bring in MCs, rappers. So... Above all, I was really excited to just try a lot of new stuff on stage, and Dudu was very excited about that too, because he never liked when his music was treated as like something kind of classical or folkloric or whatever. He was always about injecting it with like new energy all the time, and mm. he had tons of energy to give back when we brought that in. So, with the, with these, the I mean, obviously, Sabad drumming was going to be a big challenge for you. And then you you you're bringing in the MCs. Would those see? Um, was there more to it that that made it really different to the previous years? Um, let's see. Well, the, the the nucleus. Oh, for me is always like the artistic content. So that comes mm -hmm. first. Um, it's like the things I described. Um, I had. Let's see. Remember. I had a drummer that I'd been in touch with for all those years who was never available and finally I could confirm him so we mm. had a really, really exciting lineup of guest artists, people who are like yep. booked three years in advance 
Um, um, so it was a really, really like first class team on stage hmm. of the drum. And what else? Um, the scope. We had venues that we never had before. Uh-huh. Like the Grand Theater, which is this huge freaking opera house built by China. Okay. Uh, China is in a... You've probably heard in different ways that China has a special relationship to Africa. Right. So they built like this incredible... Maybe you heard about the Museum of African History or something. This like crazy interesting architecture. So like they've built like all these cultural iconic places in Dakar. I mean, God knows what they're getting in return in terms of like resources or land or who knows. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but at least on the cultural and artistic level, it's like, wow, everyone loves China because we have this, this ridiculous huge theater now, which is like very sophisticated. Like it's a real European opera house. Whoa. So we had a partnership with them for the first time. And that's the, my Facebook profile video, that six second video is from the show at the Grand Theater, which is Dudu's second to last show. And okay. I didn't think I've seen it. Well, yeah, my Facebook profile photo is actually a video. So if you go and click on it, you'll, with sound, by the way, and the sound quality is pretty nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll sign back into Facebook, I'll reactivate my Facebook later oh, so I, I can see. <laughs> I forgot you weren't there anymore. Right, <laughs> but I did look at uh, at the videos on your on your Vimeo yesterday. Very very interesting to, to see you and and Dudu uh, commanding the the dramas there. Oh, the Vimeo is kind of old. Have you seen the video of um the sorry the Vimeo content needs to be updated. Mm -hmm. On our page though is a video of Sabar Rap, yeah, which is a project yeah. which merged that year. That's probably the mm -hmm. most recent you can find. Um, just FYI. Yeah, yeah, I kind of forgot to have any Vimeo page for a long time. Sorry. Yeah, sure. So um, what What was it? Also, uh, was it the... Sorry? I'm just answering the rest of your question. That year okay, also, we had a collaboration with the mayor. So we performed at the mayor's palace. That was the very last show of oh. his life. Um. So yeah, the main difference that year was just like um, more elite sponsors, more elite venues, international press, French French press had like shown up at everything and were showing wow. us. And um, yeah, yeah. So just a lot of <laughs> a lot of awesome upgrades. <laughs> yeah, However, great. Finding the upgraded manager. <laughs> remained the mystery to the end in the end my wife and i were doing it ourselves <laughs> <laughs> so instead of having 13 managers you just had the two of you well it, i mean bless her heart because she's a dancer hmm. that's she's, she was the last dancer to perform a doo-doo um and but she's brilliant and crazy talented and she just saw at a certain point that like if i don't step in and run this it won't happen hmm. so she kind of sacrificed herself because she did not want to do it she's capable hmm. but she did not want to do it i really wanted to let her just focus on her uh, uh her artistic role um also we had interns that year like drummer interns and dance interns and young rappers um we had education 
element also, where we went and performed, uh, did a day of workshop at a, a very interesting orphanage called um, Village Pilote. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really special too. That was, for, for some of our drummers, like that was the most heart opening, unforgettable day. It wasn't one of the big fancy shows. It was like the day at the orphanage. Hmm. So that was also a really special element of the final year. Hmm. Um, but yeah. So what happened at the orphanage that was so special for them? Well, it's if you're a Western person who maybe has never been directly exposed to um, severely underprivileged people, yes. much less uh, orphans, Yes. then it's good if that goes straight to your heart. That means you're alive. <laughs> you're alive. <laughs> and you're, no, you're humble. Um, my mother, from an early age, instead of like doing commercialized Christmas, um, she would devote the day to taking us to orphanages and, and, and taking the kids horseback riding and stuff like that. So it's been a part of, part of my life for a long time. But I'm in, in the role now of kind of holding space for Western professionals to come and get their heart blown open by mm. this. So it's, it's, it's probably the most, like, I don't want to say stereotypical, but, like, classic scene you can imagine of just, like, you know, 25 African kids climbing on you while you're drumming, cheering and loving <laughs> and dancing and trying to play the drum same time. Just, like, crazy energy. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's just it's 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 beautiful. It's like it's it's medicine for them. I mean, that's why they wanted to come, and that's mm -hmm. like the kind of thing I made clear. Like the mistakes I made in curating the drummers in the beginning, mm -hmm. who just see a festival. It's like I come and I perform and I stay in my hotel and I don't deal with like you know uh, poor equipment or um, um, imprecise time schedules or cultural yeah. stuff that's when I realized I really need to bring people who want to be changed by Africa, not just, you know, be an artist giving something to Africa. Like Africa has much more to give you than you could ever give it. <laughs> so, uh, that's that, that's, that's great. Yeah. That was so successful is because I really, my drummers that were there for all the right reasons in their hearts. Yes. <laughs> Okay, that's that's fantastic. Did they comment to you afterwards and say, you know, thank you for exposing us to that, or, or what did they say? Um, yes, yes, and that, that when I mean pulling off the festival has been back backbreaking each year, and when we get that kind of feedback from an international artists, that means everything. Hmm. So that's what what kept me going, and. Um, I mean, some years we broke even, some we didn't, but hmm. the, cur the currency of like changing people's lives and them always checking back in with you over the years is, is really, really powerful and really precious. Hmm. If you feel like you're somehow creating a, 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 sh a shift of like, I mean, these drummers say that they talk about Senegal all the time now when they're teaching at universities or whatever so like so it really kind of plants a seed and and um, I mean I haven't been there and how they are 
keep, get to listen how they're kind of ambassadors of it, but I know that from hmm. our dialogues and and how they connected with the children at Village Pilot that um, they're doing it in a way which is really, you know, transcending whatever stereotypes or um, or um, projections or oversimplifications or whatever, because we really tried to have like a, a holistic festival, if you will, not just something mm -hmm. where you be an elite artist in a hotel, but like come mm -hmm. here to like have your life changed and, you know, and get to play with like a legit master, you know, because they all put it on their bio now and everything. And it's like the biggest yeah. star they've played with, which is cool. But um, having that intention of of seeing, because that's what Africa was for me, ultimately, from the beginning. It was like place calling me intuitively and it became like healing grounds. It's where I began the work of like healing from having been on antidepressant medications and all that stuff and so bringing someone there the first time you can always say like oh i'm just an artist or whatever but inevitably it will trigger you it will like find that place in you that needs healing it just will and if you resist that it's <laughs> it's a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> okay so it, it's my ex my wife she would say like being here it's like con being in a constant ayahuasca ceremony, <laughs> which means like if, if you resist, like she will make it 10 times harder for you. Mother ayahuasca. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> so it's like that. So I had to be very careful to curate drummers who could like come humble and ready to change and grow and be shown all their shadows and shit because Africa will show you, show you your shit point blank. Every time wow. you walk out the door, um, can you yeah. give an example where, where somebody came in and, or, or maybe one from your own life where, where their shadow was exposed? Hmm. Hmm. The most common examples would be like interactions with. Um, uh, begging children. Mm -hmm. um, um, judgment. Quick, being quick to judge. Mm -hmm. um, my mind is scanning like the, the drummer crew from each year. Mm. Each. Each of, like, each of them I could probably like come up with like the turning point where they snapped and got triggered and then like eased into Africa a little more perhaps <laughs> <laughs> um, can you think of one one specific one I don't know if you want to tell someone's um, story like that <laughs> might be throwing them under the bus a little um for some reason the negative ones come to mind the most like, <laughs> because like I'm, I'm used to like out of 
12 guest artists a year, all of them just like going home with a hugely open heart and like missing Senegal all the time after that. So that's yep. kind of like the norm. But when one yep. of them has a rough time and like doesn't get through it, and then like I, we don't hear from them for months or years after that, mm-hmm. that sticks with me. That mm-hmm. like that's hard for me. Um, yes, yes. Those are the ones that are coming to mind. And there's actually they're not that many. It's only from um, one in the first year. There was one in the second year, but we've since resolved that. Um, okay. I have to well, fair about- enough. I guess, I guess it can be a little more subtle when when somebody is maybe confronted like that, and and then they something switches on in them, or their heart opens, or something. Maybe it's not, not always so obvious. But even just like if I I can give you a really generic example that would happen to anyone, is, sure. Is um, so when a totally like dirty child with like obvious like kind of infections or lice or whatever is like growing on their scalp is like touching you and asking for something um especially in this day and age with like whatever people believing germ theory everything bullshit rather than terrain theory um (laughs) this is a very common trigger for like a western person to just like snap or pull back or be like just want to like hide in a car versus Mm. like stay out here waiting for us while we wait for sound check because we're at a festival location which doesn't have the security there yet so the kids just like are like infiltrating everything um so like that that's a that's a very common trigger where and then you realize like mm-hmm. there's there's nowhere to go there's we got out of the taxi we're just here we're exposed we're nowhere near mm-hmm. the hotel whatever and it sounds so simple but like when you've been triggered and, hey is this a note for me yeah okay thanks okay <laughs> i'll get back to you um Wow, an actual note on a napkin. Sweet. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so if you can imagine, like, empathetically being in that person's position, they're super triggered. They're in this fear of, like, catching diseases or whatever. And mm. so it's, like, it's very visceral in their body that they are triggered and just want, like, you know, to escape or whatever. Or mm-hmm. retreat, or have, or have a boundary, or just like a, um, whatever, a, a guardian fence, which would be there in the show, but isn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I witnessed many times, like them having to like sit with that, and you can see it in their in their body language and their expression, and just that process of them realizing the only way is to like embrace it. It's the only way and mm. just to shift shift into total compassion you mm. know for these kids nothing wow. else period point blank drop into your heart have compassion for them look them in the eye honor them as like little people you know to just want to like eat food and have a smile on their face just like you every day mm. um, and and sometimes by the end like they would sometimes it would take like on oh yeah honestly it was like a senegalese dancer or a senegalese drummer 
mm. who would like see a Western dancer or a Western drummer on our team and like basically kind of take their hand and so I, I would be the one like giving the speech like I just described but why they're having a trigger or a meltdown but then it would be a Senegalese artist team member who would like kind of take their hand and kind of walk them into like something playful with the kids or drumming for the kids mm -hmm. or you know just like kind of like literally show them like this is how we vibe with them and we relate mm -hmm. with them and and it wasn't long before like they're just all smiles and just completely a different of a different disposition than they were 20 minutes before like like massive and wow. it's a tiny example but it, it represents a lot within someone to like to be that viscerally just uncomfortable mm -hmm. and without getting to change their external surroundings whatsoever to like drop into that hard space and just find straight joy with these kids mm -hmm. you know and it didn't change the fact that they were like infected and really awful looking and climbing all over you you know mm. but I, if i look back like that time in my life when i was exposed to all that that's when i was most healthy like i would never get sick my immune system was like banging so i kind of learned from huh. africa to just like embrace it all like bring me your germs like bring it on like it's all just more <laughs> empowerment for me <laughs> so, so people, okay. people see me do stuff like this like i'm really liberal about like drinking out of a glass or whatever and they're like mm -hmm. man you're crazy how do you do that and i'm just like that's when i realized like oh i forgot i'm african as far as you guys are concerned <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool so yeah i have a i've heard other people say that to me too like Don't be afraid of germs, like willingly expose yourself, you know? Yeah. Or even, um, you know, there are a lot of cultural norms which are based around that, like like in, maybe I mentioned to you, like in Argentina or Paraguay where you share around the, the mate, these kinds of things. So... Uh, so it's you you and your wife and you have to do everything what does yeah. it feel like um hmm. i at this time i have laser 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 focus and i'm i just want to like keep my eye on the target and and get through it and know i'm going to get to sleep in two weeks or whatever um but it's hard because i know like down, deep down she doesn't want to be doing this mm. and i know that i can't afford to not accept her help mm. um i think in a way like in a way dudu had to die that year because we were at such a level that like we had kind of grown out the capability outgrown the capability of the infrastructure of that city that culture <laughs> so, so do we had to move on to, to greater yeah. things so in a way it was climactic on many levels like and um um yeah i only learned like later because mm -hmm. this goes into like my ex she would often like say yes to to stuff 
that she didn't really want to do because like mm -hmm. it would make someone else happy. So yeah. just like as part of her process of like standing in her truth. And I would like always beg her to like, just say what you feel and I will honor that. But she would say something else and then always later tell me, well, actually I really felt something different. I just didn't want to disappoint so-and-so or you or your mom or the festival or whatever. Yes. And I'm like, babe, I can only take you at your word. So just please, um, you know, find that authenticity and I will serve you and honor what you feel, but you've got to be truthful with that and, and you know, authentic yeah. with that. Hmm. So this is why you've probably heard me say before that the festival, not the festival itself, but more the family of Dudu um, was a huge stress on our, my marriage. Um, so that's why um, I had to, well, this is the story of what happened after he died, um, yeah. where I did spend three years doing my best to keep working with the family and to fulfill what I know what he would have wanted and encountering a lot of love from certain sons of his and a lot of abuse from other ones. Hmm. We were also abusing other brothers, like not just me. It's not like I was like a particular target. Right. But in a way, Dudu was like the stopper, like holding back a freaking avalanche. And when I he see. was gone, it's like all that energy just exploded. And <laughs> in, a, in a way, it exploded mainly on me because I was projected as being like the one to carry the torch, like yeah. the last collaborator. People had mm. told me before that, for example, the curator of the Grand Theater, he's like, you are closer to Dudu's than his sons are. And I'm like, what? I couldn't even get my head around what a comment like that means. But then, <laughs> then as the year unfolded and then like in the way he died and then what happened, I, I, I got it. Like I really got it. Like in a way, I was the only one with a clean enough relationship to him mm. and to everyone else to like, to, 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 to be a lead and, and, and bring everyone together because they had so much internal stuff. Like the eldest son from one house wanted to like put voodoo on the eldest son from another house after Dudu died because he wanted oh. to be the new leader of the family. And this is all just like mythic ego stuff because there wasn't a unified family orchestra anymore because Dudu right. was gone. And the right. only unified thing there was what I had created with them so it was basically like, I have to keep this going or they're all going to like have no work. And we're talking like dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Yes. Put it all together. Can um, we get back to like, go, go back in time a bit, um, say in the, the months leading up to Dudu's death? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how long after the, the uh, last festival did he die? Uh, just a few days. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Uh, so in the videos I've seen, he looks in—he seems to be in great health, like full of energy and everything. So yeah. was this like? Was there any expectation that this would happen so suddenly? Absolutely not. Absolutely right. not. We had—I um, think I wrote about it a little bit in that eulogy on music in Africa mm -hmm. website. But we had. Like every year after the last show, a few days later, we went to his house for like a artistic reflection talk mm -hmm. where he just, we reviewed everything 
And I really invited him to be really critical, like what he'd like to do more or better or different or what he was happy with. Yep. And we had had that conversation. And he said for the first time that he was creating a new, a new rhythm composition for uh, Degidaj specifically. Before it was like, Whoa. like, like we'd we'd bring my drummers into like a composition of his, or we bring his drummers into like something I had created. So it's kind of like this kind of um, exchange process. But mm-hmm. he said now he's creating something organic from zero for for us all together. So uh-huh. I was super I was super excited about that. Yeah. And and then as every year we prayed together, I went to the airport with with Mina to Berlin. This is like where we really decompressed and just caught up on massive amounts of rest. Um and it was in Berlin just a few days later that I had that dream communion with him and then the next morning the my phone was ringing off the hook of the brothers from Senegal calling me to say dude is gone. Can can you tell me about that dream? Yes, absolutely. Um so it was a freeze frame of the climactic moments of the very last show, which was at, at the mayor's palace. And it was it wasn't a big, big crowd because it was only like VIPs. So it was like, you know, certain dignitaries and ministers and the CEOs of the corporations that sponsored us and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um which is cool because we were able to make a, a large, perfect circle formation of all of the the performers and the guests. Because mm-hmm. the geomet the geometry of the of the garden in the mayor's palace was kind of big and round like that. So we wanted to kind of create something a little bit uh, ceremonial and magical and theatrical with that geometry. Yep. Um, so in the in the climactic moment and in, in near the end of a show, maybe you can imagine like that's kind of when an orchestra is like just like cruising on autopilot. They don't really need the conductor mm. for that kind of like final climactic um, flow. So mm-hmm. I had just out of a random kind of explosion of, of joy, I began sprinting around the whole um, formation. <laughs> yeah. And I looked over after one round and Dudu had begun doing the same thing. sprinting in a circle and he was exactly 180 degrees across the circle from me and when i looked over to him he had looked over to me and our eyes met and there was a fleeting moment of like of connection and sharing this smile of like the smile of kind of like we made it we pulled it off against all odds you know because he knew he knew about the 13 managers he knew about all (laughs) of the, the tension erupting wanting to erupt in his family that he was keeping at bay. Hmm. So he, he knows that like, it was a kind of miracle that we pulled it off. And this was our like final, like, holy shit, we pulled it off like joy run. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was the tiniest fleeting moment. You never would have like thought about that moment again, but that hmm. moment was like the freeze frame in the dream. Right. And it was the exact same geometry and the exact same kind of, um, decoration if you will of like garden around however it was it was kind of elevated vertically rather than horizontally and i was like in this earthly 
realm of garden and he was more like in this kind of like cosmic realm of garden so even though the distance mm -hmm. was like something beyond human comprehension what mm -hmm. was really clear was it was a, the exact same geogra geometric disposition mm -hmm. and that from his chest and from his face this was the clearest part was like this beaming like incomprehensible by human language like describable light from him straight at me Whoa. it was like a kind of light you can't even compare to anything in the human experience and it was very clear and like very blazing and it was just about gratitude and joy and happiness and contentment and it was just like the most overjoyed <laughs> vibration of light and and that i just can ever think of in my you know dreaming or not dreaming experience and i even hesitate to use the word dream because like dream is something more ephemeral right. where this was, was super visceral it felt like like a it almost felt like an iboga ceremony i, w I wouldn't say ayahuasca because that's also feminine and rather interpretive but sometimes yeah. you have very very clear communion not sometimes often you have very clear communions sitting with ayahuasca so I, you could equate it to that so it was much more powerful energy than a dream um so i communion is the best word that i've come up with um right so i was just injected with this like joy from him and his happiness and his love and affection and gratitude and i hadn't i hadn't done any analysis um whatsoever i just woke up thrilled and told mina about the dream and i was just vibing on that like just blasted with good endorphins and everything Hmm. And then, so it wouldn't occur to you at all that that uh, that he would have passed away. No, not at all. It was only no. at, at one p.m. that day, which was um, noon in Dakar, that I started getting all these calls saying dude is gone, and hmm. I had known that the day before there was the funeral of the other. Um, godfather of sabar so there's two sabar families in dakar uh -huh. dudu and the, the rose family the rose family and the sing sing family dudu is much more famous of course but still the sing sing family are very important and view sing sing fight was like dudu's lifelong brother in like creating this body of work hmm. so he died and because he was also a, a public figure at the the burial was press and tons of artists and and diplomats and stuff and it turns out that when they were leaving the the funeral that duda was the last one to come out of the cemetery hmm. and people people didn't know why it's like what's going on why is duda straggling um and we learned this some days later after he died but what he did, what he was doing in that moment, is he reserved and paid for his spot in the cemetery. Wow. That was the day before. Yeah. Wow. So, so I'm just like in shock and crying, and I go straight back to the airport, fly to, to, get, to get back to the family. And he has sons and daughters from all around the world, living all around the world. And we all... Uh, arrive the next morning because they're like basically overnight flights. It's the only way to get there. So, 
Are you okay? Yeah, I was drinking some water. All right. So, um, so you arrived so the next morning. Yeah. yeah, we arrived the next morning exhausted, in tears, just like the whole. I mean, we all just were in shock. Um, but it was also this is mid-August. It's like crazy, crazy, crazy hot, and we got towards the family house, and there was like blocks of distance where like the masses had like swarmed the place. We couldn't even get through. It was mm-hmm. crazy. So security had to come out and bring us through to the family house. And when we got through all of us, like, you know, bursting into tears again, as we encountered like his wives and the family, his best friend, Abbas Juf, his communications manager, we called him Tonton Abbas. He, he singled me out right away. He was pointing his finger at me and he goes, Degidaj, no, you don't cry. He called me Degidaj because that's the name of the festival. <laughs> he goes, he goes, you don't cry. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why would he say that? He, he said very, very clear. He's like, what you did to make the 85th birthday celebration for Dudu in Dakar set him free. All he wow. was waiting for in his life was to be honored at home. Because it's true. He'd been like celebrated and decorated all around the world. Japan, France, Brazil, etc. But marginalized in Dakar, living in poverty. Which is basically the original intention of my whole festival. was like, this is fucked up. This man is like a literal living legend saint. Why is he, you know, so marginalized here? I want to re-inject this whole story with like useful international creative magic as he wants. And make his whole like body of work like sexy and relevant again um so that's what we did and having the 85th uh birthday celebration year having been like the breakthrough year where for example the ministry of culture finally finally showed up I, I, i don't know i don't know if i told you in the last call um it was the year before not that same year hmm. that i first got a um, a partnership with the Ministry of Culture, uh-huh. and it whew, this was crazy. We had we had me and the manager, a, a sweet French gal named Mathilde, that year. Um, we had to really persist to get the time of day from the Ministry of Culture. We had submitted all these documents, tried to get a meeting, tried to get a meeting, and it was really a ridiculous amount of effort for a humble amount of money we were asking for, just for Dudu's family to to play on Fête de la Musique, the International Day of Music. Um, and finally, we got the meeting with the main minister of culture, and he gave us this whole, like, oh, it's beautiful what you're doing, but we just can't um, can't really, you know, support you in a financial sense. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the guy is, like, chilling. He drives an SUV. He's got a nice suit. They're obviously, like, just freaking, like, well off there. And we're asking for such a modest amount, like basically transportation, sandwiches for everybody, and like a modest amount of pocket money for each dude's family. Not even for us, just dude's family. Yeah. So when the guy said that, I flipped. (laughs) 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 Because because we had spent so much energy to get this meeting from them, you know? Like we, we got greater amounts of money from like different 
embassies and corporations without mm. near the amount of agony to get just the meeting. Mm. And I just, I, I basically went off saying like, you should be ashamed of yourself that this UNESCO living human treasure lives in poverty in Dakar and he's honored and celebrated around the world, but his own ministry of culture can't even get his family some fucking sandwiches. You should be ashamed of yourself. Wow. Um, yeah. How did I mean, they react? I'm super paraphrasing. I can't remember yeah. my exact words. Okay, sure. <laughs> but the, guy, the guy stood up and left the room. And I looked over to Mathilde and I was like, oh, shit. Because there's this thing in Wolof called Masla. And Masla means like you never, ever break the code of like dignity and composure. Right. Yeah. And I did, I did that. And I know I did it. So I knew I had like violated like Masla. And I was like, he's going to like get security. He's <laughs> going to have us removed from here. I was like, shit. So, it, it, but it was a long time. It, it was in like, it felt like maybe 15 minutes in the end, maybe more. Ooh. Just me and Matilda, like, holy shit, what's going to happen next? <laughs> <laughs> I would have um, thought about like running out of there. I mean, there's nowhere to run. I mean, it's just <laughs> they know us. We'll be on TV. They, I mean, <laughs> right. I just, I had to own it. Like, and I, and I, I, I was okay with that. I was really like, I, 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 I violated Masla, but knowingly. It's not right. like I was out of control. I knew exactly what I did. I see. And I, and I chose to do it. Yeah. Um. So, dude, he came back in that room. Long time later. And sat down and handed us a check. And he said, I'm so very sorry that you, this has been so difficult for you, this process that you've been trying to contact us for so long. And I'm really grateful for your support of Dudu and what you're doing for his family. Like, complete different story. A hundred percent. And he handed us a check. Like, absolute, respectful, efficient. Here's the check. We'll, and, like, it was amazing. It was amazing, the transformation from this dude. So I went straight from, with, from that Ministry of Culture on my motorbike to Dudu's house to show him this check. And guess what? He fucking cried. <laughs> yeah, he I'll fucking cried. He said this I'm, was the I'm first crying time. now just hearing about it. <laughs> it was, he said it was the first time in his life that his own Ministry of Culture fucking gave him a dime. And it wow. wasn't even that much, like I said. Like it was maybe three hundred thousand seifa, um, but symbolically it was huge. Yes, and that that was the edition before last, and the final edition, the Ministry of Culture actually showed up, and wow. came and and took got on the mic and spoke their 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 praise and to to him and everything. So this stuff right here, of like the Dakar. Um, ministers and dignitaries and like the Askanwi, as they say, like like the like the 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 culture, including all classes, them showing up and and giving their energy to a, a celebration of Dudu's entire life. That was it. That's the one thing he had missed his whole life. Yes. So when 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 Tonton Abbas said that to me, it immediately linked back to my dream two nights before. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, he's right. Because what was that dream like saying now? He was on the other side. He was in a different dimension. Mm -hmm. However, he was good. He was totally happy, totally chilling, sending like huge beams of light and gratitude and, and satisfaction. And 
and the love and just, yeah, it was just, so what Abba said is like a hundred percent true as per like what Dudu communicated to me in, in that dream communion. So of course we still cried for our own loss, yes. but it, it actually became, and also the whole thing with the day before going to the cemetery, reserving his spot, paying for it. Like it was clear that he was finally like done with his mission in this life and totally satisfied and checked out with the like, ultimate ultimate class and grace like there is nothing classier than going on your next journey in that way <laughs> yeah. you know all his affairs tied up not one person had to worry about nothing <laughs> <laughs> wow well yeah that's this really interesting um how a person can die in that way like they just they they know um they know that their work is done and they're ready yeah, and that Friday morning, I learned the story. He'd woken up, and he'd asked to, to go to the mosque. He said he wanted to pray. So his driver came, took him and his wife to the mosque. They said he prayed there um, a bit longer than normal. That's the only mm. report I got. And then he, came back, <laughs> he came back, and she was cooking lunch, and he laid down for a nap and didn't wake up. Like, he just laid down right on his bed. Right. Like, yeah, that 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 easy. It's it's perfect. It's like <laughs> he, he was that classy. He was like that utterly classy. Yeah. <laughs> so so humble, so subtle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, this is great because uh, you know that story about Jesus. I think it goes back to Nazareth, and he tries to give some wisdom to the people, and they're like. Who is this guy? Isn't he a son of a carpenter? And he he turns to the apostles and says, you know, no, well, no, no man is a prophet in his own home, but you actually proved that wrong. You showed that a, a man can be respected in his own home, which is amazing. A beautiful thought. Thank you for listening. So it's interesting to hear this story about, especially about the part where. Nathan was talking to the bureaucrat from the Ministry of Culture and started to launch into this impassioned speech, eventually becoming a rant and then perhaps turning into a tirade. Now, it's something to think about. Of course, normally in our everyday life, it does not serve us to become frustrated or angry. But perhaps there are those situations, the fact that <laughs> we do show such presence and calm in our, our everyday life, well, <laughs> we still can show presence even when we are going on that type of tirade, as, as Nathan mentioned. But the question is, when is anger appropriate? When is a rebuke appropriate? It's a very difficult question. It's a question I'll probably be asking myself for the rest of my life. But as Nathan had demonstrated here, sometimes when people present these barriers to you, when people aren't truly valuing what is important, sometimes and hopefully occasionally, <laughs> A rebuke is beneficial. 
So, so something to wonder about. And I guess, the, the, of course, the other side of the coin is how important is it to remain calm in our everyday life when things frustrate us that are trivial? How important is it to be happy in the face of those things, to realize that this is not something to get upset about? This is not something that valuable. It's just a, a mundane occurrence, and we can remain calm in the face of those things. So there's a couple of things to think about. Remember, you can jump on to beautifulpodcast.com. You can use the link up the top to get onto the Telegram channel. You see the social section up there. Join the, the Telegram chat group and also the Telegram channel so you can listen to the podcast on Telegram. Some people like to do that and join the discussion in the chat group so you can share some fascinating experiences that you had, something that makes you happy, and listen to other people's experiences as well, share some wisdom with uh, the community there. And you can book a session with me to get a coaching session to help you see things from a little bit of a different perspective practice some perspectival uh, <laughs> repositioning so we can see things from, from other people's points of views, understand your own motivations a little better and become aware of your assumptions. Then you can then transform into ones that serve you even better. So jump on to beautifulpodcast.com. Use the coupon code BEAUTIFUL2021. You get 50% off your first session and most importantly, have a wonderful day. Oh, 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 oh,